the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. Hello! Welcome to XR Star, your monthly podcast where we talk all things extended reality and the metaverse. I'm your host, futurist Amelia Kalman. There is so much to talk about this month, and I am lucky to be joined by one of the XR industry's leading experts who will be able to answer some of our pressing questions around the current state of holograms, the impact AI is having on the XR industry, as well as the evolving skill sets required to meet the demands of VR, AR, the metaverse, and beyond. But today I wanna start with holograms. When we think about the future, our visions are often informed by film and television. Star Wars, Blade Runner, Minority Report, Star Trek, and more recent TV series like Extrapolations and Upload. One thing they all have in common? Holograms. Just down the street from where I live in London is the ABBA Voyage, a nightly virtual concert that features holographic avatars, or avatars, if you will, of the Swedish pop group as they appeared in 1977. I've seen the show myself and I have to say the technology is quite impressive. But when it comes to the Princess Leia type hologram, a 3D digital light effect that can be viewed from all angles without the need for glasses, we're still not quite there yet. This said, recently there have been some amazing innovations that are getting us that much closer to making holograms in the true sense of the word, a reality. Researchers at MIT, for example, have developed the Spatial Light Modulator, or SLM, that manipulates light by controlling its emission properties. Their method allows light to be controllably stored, manipulated, and emitted at the wavelength scale. Using LEDs to control the device means it is programmable, reconfigurable, completely wireless, and they believe, most importantly, scalable. Meanwhile, Lightfield Lab have closed 50 million in Series B funding to scale their solid light holographic systems, enabling digital objects to form in midair to be viewed without headsets. Solid Light claims to be the highest resolution holograph display platform ever designed. It relies on a 28-inch module display that contains 2.5 billion pixels. So just for reference, 4K computer monitors regularly have 8.2 million pixels. The display projects waves of photons that scatter at a specific point, making it appear as though 3D objects and characters are hovering in the air and can be seen from a 100 degree viewing angle. 
to share with us more on the current state of holograms, as well as the current state of the XR industry. I am thrilled to welcome the founder and CEO of Immersive Insiders and YouTube content creator, Dinesh Puni. Welcome, Dinesh. Thanks for having me. Super glad to be here. And yeah, that was like a really spontaneous session as well. But uh, it worked out at the end. Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much. Um, Dinesh has kindly stepped in after I had a last minute guest cancellation. So we are really pleased to have you here. So just to begin, can you share with us a bit about your story and how you got started in this industry? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Dinesh and I've been in the AR, VR or immersive field since 2015, actually. I tried out the Oculus DK2 for the very first time at, uh, I think, Gamescom 2015. And that really struck me with uh, VR, immersive technologies. I was so fascinated by, by what you can do with that, that I spent all of my time while studying to build uh, VR prototypes, which then led me into getting in a lot of different fields when I just started. So I was applying VR, AR in the medical sector, interior design, gaming, education, um, industrial areas, all of these things. And the one thing that was really a big struggle for me back then and still today is that it is such a new field that is always changing. I mean, you probably know this as well, everybody in this field. It is... Um, a very, very, very fast evolving field, which makes it really complicated for like documentation, learning, new headsets, new devices, new tools, which um, led me to start to teach AR and VR development in 2016 and, and so on. And while working full time, I found my own company, Immersive Insiders, which um, I started in 2018 that focuses on exactly that teaching AR and VR development. Yes, yes, Inside, Immersive Insiders uh, looks fantastic and the feedback from your students has been really impressive. <laughs> Can you tell us just a bit more about Immersive Insiders, how it works? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, like I said, back then when I started, there was so many problems with getting into VR and AR, which is still like one of the number one questions I get ask all the time, hey, I don't know how to get into that field because there's no clear roadmap, tools are unknown. And I have a big passion for learning and teaching, which is why I found Immersive Insiders, which is an online education platform that teaches you design and development. And we do it by having a library of really relevant, always updating, because that is a big problem, always updating the courses. And we focus on practical online courses. So we have challenges, we have events, we have um, really teaching you the real world necessities that you need to get into the field. And that is really accompanied by a XR online community and like a support system. Because again, it is really challenging to find foot in that field since it's so new. Absolutely. And that community aspect is so important. And I love the idea of kind of demystifying this technology. It is something that anyone can learn and get involved with. It just takes some um, experts like you to, to teach us. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Yeah, really happy doing so. Yeah. So when we connected on LinkedIn, you mentioned that you two were 
interested in holograms and where they're going and that you're actually putting together an episode for your YouTube channel, which is Dinesh Puni, which we'll, we'll be sure to link to and I can highly recommend it to our listeners. So tell me, what is your take on the current state of holograms? Anything that is surprising you? Um, yeah, what's what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think holograms are really fascinating and really like an amazing technology. It can, I mean, since like science fiction, we are trying to get into that state for a really long time and everybody is fascinated by this because it just feels much cooler than having a regular screen since all of the 3D effects and everything. And um, regarding the video that I'm working on, that is a use case where I try to show really like the newest technology on how we can use these to create some sort of hologram. So maybe I can explain a little bit more about what I did there and how we plan to use it for um, holograms, etc. Yes, please. So I was invited in. I was invited into a volumetric studio, uh, which is called 4D Views, that is in France, Grenoble. And um, they basically record myself or any any acting or anything really with a lot of different cameras in a different set of angles. So let's say you want to record a concert for example or me dancing or any dance session for example and you don't want to record it from like a fixed view with like one camera really that we already know you want to record it from like all different angles at the same time and this is called volumetric capturing in a very very simplified way of course so you have like 50 plus cameras recording from all angles at the same time and the end result is a digitally stitched together 3D model that you can then use. It is an animated 3D model. So it's like a movie with a 3D animated figure, really. And you can use this 3D model inside of um, 3D game engines, for example, like Unity or Unreal, to then do further effects and anything that you want to. And then you can use this raw data, basically, to then put it on a HoloLens or any other mixed reality device, or maybe also on your phone, depending on what and how do you want to use. And then if I would then put it on my HoloLens, I could actually have myself next to me as a hologram. And again, this is also like the kind of definition how you see holograms because they are like people, okay, it's not a real hologram in quotes because you're still wearing a headset. I mean, so right now you talked about Lightfield already that um, promises to have holograms without headset. But the current state at the moment really is that you have a headset in the usually where you have a holographic field which is um, adding a digital layer on top of the physical world so it really feels like a hologram and yeah this is something that i'm working on myself right now i got recorded now i'm doing all the processing and everything at the end it's going to be on a youtube video so it's not going to be a hologram of course because it's in the youtube video but um, i will use case i will use it for myself to showcase it on my phone or on any future mixed reality headsets to then use it as a hologram as well. Yeah, that's a really good point, which is how we're going to use holograms in the future. And then also how democratized it's going to be for just your average mm -hmm. person to, to make their own holograms. I mean, I think mm -hmm. we're getting to the point where 
you know, soon we'll be able to just do it from our phones, right? Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, some of those uh, recent TV shows and stuff that I mentioned, like the extrapolations, which I think is on Apple Plus. I don't know if anybody's watching it, but it's about climate change and it's looking forward, you know, in the next 10, 20, 30, 50 years. But one thing I, I love about their examples is they have things like the iPads, but they actually spring up into the air and have the 3D holograms in the air. So how exactly we're going to get from here to there, I think is still a bit of a question, but um, I think that- Yes. <laughs> um, I think it's really interesting where where it's at at the moment. And then do you, how do, do you think, um, which industries do you think are gonna kind of benefit the most from this technology? Do you think it'll be healthcare or gaming or entertainment? That's a really good question. Wherever it is really useful to have telepresence, so like when you want to replace Zoom meetings, um, I think um, manufacturing, like anything in there, like car manufacturing can be really helpful because you can have multiple people looking at a hologram and then really see how you could dissect it and like learn from it. Education is always amazing. I'm personally like a huge fan of education. Obviously my company is very focused on education. So I think education can be really, really amazing to really showcase all of these features. Let's say you have like a human brain, you want to dissect it. You don't have to have a real human brain or something like that. You can really like have a digital layer as a hologram and then you have people surrounding it and then you can really see it from all of these angles. I mean, it is similar to VR, but um, having it with multiple people also can be extremely helpful as well. Otherwise, entertaining is always good. The cool thing about um, holograms and immersive technologies is that it can be applied to a lot of different uh, industries, which is something that is really, really cool. So, yeah, I think that can be applied to a lot of industries. Also, for example, um, anything in terms of gaming as well, that is always kind of like a forefront of all of these things because they are mostly open to new things and changes that they want to be excited for new technologies. And you mentioned the company that you worked with in France. Are there any other great examples that you've seen in the hologram space that you can share with us? So one thing that I've tried that really showcased the amazing potential of um, holograms in that field. Again, from a perspective of um, XR, so I was wearing a HoloLens back then, which is an application called Fragments. So they, maybe you have heard of it, or maybe you've even tried it out. I think it's a really, really cool showcase of um, immersive technologies and holograms. It's like a crime scene game, actually. It's like a real story where you put on the mixed reality device and then you have like a crime scene inside of your actual living room. So you have really like holograms um, next to you, talking to you. They are actually like intelligent enough that they sit on your couch because the HoloLens detects the couch and then they sit like next to you, which is freaking mind-blowing. And um, you have like things going on on your floor. It gets like merged together with this digital floor. Things on the wall. I think like, I mean, probably when you can check it out, you can even see some videos. That was a really, really, really cool use case of um, using that technology, I think. That sounds amazing. And I have heard of it. I just haven't done it myself. So um, I will definitely go and, uh, and check that one out. Mm -hmm. 
So moving on a little bit, you know, this wouldn't be an XR podcast in 2023 if we didn't talk about generative AI. So while today people are having fun playing around with text to 2D design through platforms like ChatGPT, MidJourney, and Stable Diffusion, we're already starting to see companies like Versi AI promoting text to 3D. So in your opinion, how is AI or will AI impact the developers as well as end users? Yeah, I mean, that is a very, very hot topic right now and probably in the unforeseeable future because the impact of AI is huge. It's a very, very, very big thing right now for not just developers or the XR scene, but virtually everything that we as humans do in every single field. Um, and also like the rate of how fast AI advances, like right now, especially, it's impossible to keep up. Like just the like chat, um, chat GPT, you know, GPT-4, uh, Midjourney 5. I think we are at Midjourney 5 right now already. And uh, now like every big company is already really pushing ahead. We have Notion AI. We have uh, Microsoft, of course, with like Copilot. We have um, Google with BART, I think it was. And like so many other companies, like really like everybody's pushing on that AI topic, huge NVIDIA, of course, as well. So I think it has massive, massive, um, yeah, massive impact on all of us. I think with XR specifically, AI will really merge together with it more and more. Like right now, we are already, XR is already using AI a lot for like spatial understanding and recognizing things and um, image recognition, all of these like machine learning algorithms that are being used as well. But um, yeah, I think it is a fast, very, very fast advancement going on and we should really be not sleeping on this one right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. There's, um, I saw some statistics today that I think uh, like 80% of businesses are starting to experiment with including AI. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, so it is, mm -hmm. it's not just in one industry, it's across the board in all our industries. Everywhere. And, uh, and I think one of the ways it's going to really impact things is the develop, like speeding up that development phase. So for indie developers yes. mm -hmm. or small teams to be able to utilize it to generate new levels or generate um, like non-player mm -hmm. non roles um, inside. Not, yeah. Yeah. What is it? Non-player? What is it? Uh, NPCs. Non-player non -player computer, I think it's called. Non-player. Yes. Something like that. So they're like the character. No, non-player character. Character. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, exactly. be able to kind of flesh those characters out if they need to say something or they have a pivotal role that actually you can just assign AI to it and it will come up with their script or multiple scripts that then the developer can choose from. So that kind of, what that would mean though, I think for that kind of accelerated content creation is that, you know, we can start to see a huge rush in things coming out. So it no longer maybe takes two years, a year to develop a whole new game. You might be able to turn it out in four weeks, you know? So um, that'll be quite interesting to see. Yeah, that is really crazy, like the rate at 
how much it increases productivity. I mean, we at Immersive Insiders, we also use AI a lot for mostly brainstorming and also just getting ideas, but we also want to see okay, what is it capable of. So for example, we are using uh, Midjourney a lot for yeah, just creating images really like, of course, that's kind of the use of it. And just creating like scenes and moods and everything and chat GPT a lot for really like creative idea generation and brainstorming all of these things. It can speed up so many processes. I use it a lot for email. Like when I have like a lot of emails and I want to summarize them and stuff like that. Um, even like in programming, you can use it a lot in code. I think you also ask about like the impact on developers. I think it's really important that developers learn to not just developers, everybody really learns to use AI because, um, it just makes you superhuman, basically. And the ones who do use and utilize AI are ahead like 100 times more than the ones who kind of like sleep on it or like uh, don't like it. And that's why they don't want to use it or something like that. Um, again, it's not like a thing if it's like good or bad, that it's like just an opinion, but it's like the, the actual situation that if somebody uses AI, they are like 20 times faster than somebody who does not. And I think this is something where, yeah, just experimentation is really, really helpful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I was reading about like the first game that ChatGPT created and essentially it's sort of plagiarized. And then some, you know, the next person who, you know, wants a game out of it, they kind of end up AI plagiarizes itself. And so it's like this kind of can of worms that yeah. is, um, is going to uh, be interesting to see how we as a society deal with that aspect of it. Um, and I know that yeah, whole, that is really complicated. And there's whole new AI industries that are emerging that can prove that something else is an AI, <laughs> you know, like um, for college term papers mm. and stuff. So they write it through an AI to detect how yeah. much AI is. And then you can go through another AI program to bring down the AI, you know, noticeable. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like a crazy race that is going on there. I know, I know. Well, speaking of moving from 2D design to 3D or XR development, I know you mm -hmm. recently did a great video offering tips to people about how they can pivot their careers in this direction. And I'd love mm -hmm. if you could share some of those insights and tips with our listeners today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is really like the, the core. That's like all I talk about every single day almost. So uh, super, super happy to help here as well. For this podcast, I would just um, talk for the XR designers and the XR developers. Like whenever there's most of like 80% is really similar, actually. And on the core differences, I would just mention, okay, this is more related to designers. This is more related to developers. Because um, nowadays I have like both, I help both groups and they are still like different. But like the first essential thing really is you want to experience XR a lot. You just want to be inside of a VR headset, just test out a lot of things that are going on, like the polished ones on the Quest Store, of course, but then also the, the, the more like inofficial ones that is also fine. Go to conferences, check out hackathons, just get a lot of experiences, maybe also on your phone, everything that you can get your hands on. I always like to say that um, an author should read a lot of books, a um, 
uh, actors should watch a lot of movies and game designers should play a lot of video games to just like immerse yourself in that field. So it's really like the step one or maybe like even step zero, have a genuine interest and experience the field. Um, next, I think it's really helpful, like for, for developers it's necessary again, for designers it's optional but really helpful, is to learn a game engine. So usually like Unity or Unreal. And if we start talking about which one to use, I would start like a religion and war and everything. People will get crazy about that topic. So I would just say both are capable of building almost everything you need to. It is You can go Unity, you can go Unreal, you can build amazing things with both game engines. Uh, and um, it mostly comes down to personal preference. So choose one which you like more. Unity works with C Sharp for the developers, Unreal with C++. Both have um, visual coding as well. So yeah, as a developer, you want to learn how to code. Again, like in C Sharp or C++, learn the coding fundamentals. Even in times of ChatGPT and uh, AI, I still believe, I don't know if I will be old school now if I say this, but I think it's really important to know the fundamentals. Yes, you can build a game. We even build like small games, just to test it out, with ChatGPT in VR, actually. We have a YouTube video on that one as well. Like we built a game in VR with ChatGPT, but again, it's, it only works because we know the fundamentals and we will get into problems very fast if you don't know what, you, what we are doing there. So still learn to code, learn the core fundamentals. As a designer, learn to prototype, for example, with Shape6R, which is an amazing tool. Basically, it's like Figma for XR, so you will need to learn your tools and then the most important thing I would say, like that is really the essential key differentiator that you will have as a designer and the developer is build a portfolio. I, I don't know how often I say this actually, like pretty much every, almost every day I say to somebody, build a portfolio. As a designer, it is essential. As a developer, you can use your Git repository as portfolio, just showcase what you're capable of building really. And then the last thing, just to keep it short and long, not like 25 minute long, um, be presentable. What does it mean? Have a CV. Is, it's not super essential having a CV, but somehow have a CV, um, a personal brand, outreach to companies, prepare yourself for interviews, and all of these kind of things. Like think about your social skills, your mindset. These kind of like outside of the box kind of things are also really, really freaking helpful. And um, yeah, if you really like start test on XR, learn an engine, learn the tools as a, as a developer code, as a designer prototype, um, build a portfolio and become presentable. I think if you have that kind of like mini course, if you do all of these things, which we talk about 24-7 at our YouTube channel, Anti-Murders of Insiders, you will have a very, 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 very good chance of making it in the field. That's awesome. In my personal opinion, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today. And uh, it's really inspiring to hear you talk about that. And like I said, you know, he has an amazing YouTube channel. So we'll be sure to link to it because that is a great resource for anyone who's interested to get into this area. Cool. Thanks for that. <laughs> When it comes to augmented reality, so AR and AR headsets, what's your opinion on the current timeline and trajectory of adoption? And I mean adoption outside of like us techie mm. geeks and like adoption in the wider sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, yes, yes. That is a very good distinction, actually. I mean, that is kind of crazy because I think like we, like you and I and like everybody in our industry, we're like so much in our bubble that we don't even see it like outside. Like, I mean, all I see 24-7 is AR, VR related news and things going on in your headset. Everybody's talking about it. Like whenever I go to LinkedIn, it's like 95% XR related stuff. But I think that outside of the bubble, there is still... Still, like, um, some adoption. There's a lot of room for more adoption, let's say it like this. I think it's going in a really good direction. Like, one funny test that I have that is, um, like, really, really cool, actually, is back then when I started with, like, VR and AR, which, again, like, back in 2016, I had to explain to, like, 90% of people what actually is VR and AR. And then I was like, hey, you know, these, like, uh, headsets that you can put on and then you're like in this virtual world i always like to explain it and as time progresses it got less and less and less and less and today we are already at a time where mm, like 80 percent of people maybe that i talk to they i don't need to explain what is vr what is ar anymore so everybody or most of the people are already aware of these technologies which is already big i mean again like just a few years ago most people didn't even know what it is so I think that is already a very, very, very good sign, I would say. Another thing, if we talk about adoption, is um, a if you differentiate between the um, enterprise B2C area kind of and then end consumers. I think in the enterprise area, we already have a not bad, like a good adoption already. I see a lot of random industries, random companies, of course, like who are not high-tech and innovative, already tapping their toes into immersive technologies. There are more and more innovation centers happening. Um, even like like governments are starting to, like, to test out these kind of things, which is already a sign that it gets some kind of recognition. In terms of consumer market, I think in a, we are in a good direction, let's say. like I mean, right now these headsets are still like bulky and like heavy and messy really like you want don't want to put them on you can you can't put them on for a long long amount of time the field of view like the window and how much like holograms in quotes you see uh, is very limited it still looks kind of like weird sometimes you get motion sickness but these are like just things that are it's like a growth curve that is going on i think in a couple of years from now honestly like we see just like more and more and more people using it i'm very very optimistic about the adoption of immersive technologies because i really see a huge 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 benefit to all industries um how we can use these so it's really like a matter of pricing and comfort yeah i would agree with that yeah thank you um and i think that is a really good point i hadn't quite thought about it before i um did spend many years explaining to people also you know what is awesome reality what is mixed reality what is virtual reality that used to take up a good like five minute chunk of like a 20 minute keynote <laughs> at least exactly <laughs> always yes yes yeah yeah that's a really good point and um yeah and i think it'll be interesting too um this kind of i feel like there's a bit of an arms race with the big technology companies to achieve making a light comfortable stylus mm -hmm. pair of glasses that everyone's gonna want um so it'll be interesting to see mm -hmm. how fast we actually get there and i think what we're gonna see sooner rather than later is these big tech companies who are investing in this area 
really trying to create those use cases. So, you know, um, creating digital landscapes and holograms and location-based experiences and all this kind of stuff. So you know, we do, they create a need for the, the glasses that we all need to have if we want to participate in that mm-hmm. level of um, culture or society. So Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I always like to talk about is risk and thinking about the future of this industry. Is there anything that you would say we might be overlooking or not paying enough attention to right now that we should be considering? Yeah, I think, I mean, if we put both of them together, the the thing that really is the intersection of that is um, change, really. Like the, I think one thing that, is missing especially <laughs> living in uh, germany i think that is like a very german thing also uh to not embrace change and i think this is a big 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 mistake people really should be open for things to change i mean the only thing that is constant is change right. and if we don't learn to adapt really fast on ai um progress on xr on all of these things that are just going moving really fast like anything in the digital space is moving extremely fast. Like, I mean, all of these topics. I think on a societal level, kind of to, to, to push more the idea of, hey, let's embrace new things and not try to hate and eliminate and ban or whatever do with them and just like be like, ah, no, now AI is um, destroying all of us, which I, like, I mean, nobody exactly knows the future. But if we, if we take it more with a mindset of, okay, how can this be helpful? How can we use it? I think that is something that, um, especially again, like in Germany, should be embraced more. Yeah, that's a really good point. And uh, it kind of reminds me, this is, a, <laughs> didn't really intend it, but I am going to actually give a, a bit of a plug. This, um, this Thursday, I'm hosting an online event and... By the time this airs, there will be a YouTube recording of it. But I think this idea of also creating a space that is inclusive, that we can all start to imagine ourselves Mm -hmm. in. And I think that where we're at at the moment with this development of the metaverse is 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 a good place to be at but i think now it's really important not to be limited by what we've kind of been sold that the future is supposed to look like and to really challenge Mm -hmm. those ideas and create spaces that we can start to imagine ourselves spending time in um i think that's going to be a really big key to um to the future there and then also, I think AI is going to play a really big role in getting your average person mm-hmm. that bridge into the metaverse, into participating in 3D environments and that kind of thing. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So sort of to um, to lead off that question, I always like to ask people this, which is what is your biggest fear for the future of this technology? And then what is your biggest hope? Yeah, my fear that I have, especially in regards of immersive technologies, really is um, 
people kind of like getting stuck and like addicted into AR, VR, metaverse related kind of things. Maybe they like the virtual perfectly in quotes, perfectly constructed worlds more than the real life. I mean, it's already happening with video games a lot. I mean, I, I love playing video games, but again, like it can become a addictive escape very fast and the potential for these like virtual worlds and immersive technologies and AI related stuff like in combination with that can be really, really high that people could like the AI digital VR fake stuff more than the real world. So people start kind of like isolating themselves much, much more in these worlds being in full control of big companies or maybe even governments who knows how this develops. I think that could be like some, some, some fear that would be there really maybe what are your thoughts on this yeah i mean i think there is um definitely that idea that the metaverse the ideas a lot of people have of it is that it's actually originated from these kind of sci-fi cyberpunk Mm. which which has a very dystopian view on our natural world And I think it's really interesting to try and think about how these spaces might actually complement or enhance or um, benefit Mm -hmm. our natural worlds and um, and how you can kind of bring that together. That event that I was talking about, we have a speaker who talks about bio sci-fi and biophilic design in the metaverse, Mm -hmm. which um, part of the reason I am sponsoring it is because it's an idea that I never kind of thought about before. And it made me realize that I had kind of accepted this idea of these kind of cyberpunky dystopian kind of futures. And maybe that I don't actually know where I fit into that. And that means that there's a huge opportunity for designers and developers to think about how we can create inclusive and comfortable spaces that maybe also somehow Mm. benefit our natural world as well. So then you got to answer the other part, which is what is your greatest hope? Yes, that is... (laughs) Yeah, I, I like to be more the optimist myself too. So I think I talk. I like to talk more about the hopeful things as well. So my biggest hope really is that, and this is also eventually where I want to move Immersive Insiders, is that we have a high quality education level for everyone. Like really everyone, not like a slogan or something like this. Like it doesn't really matter where you're born, what color of skin you have or how lucky you are with like your economic status or any of these influences that you don't have any control over. Everybody has the opportunity to do, build, learn anything we can dream of. Of course, not everybody will uh, make use of that. We all have a freaking smartphone like in the... Western world, 95% probably have a smartphone, but it's not like everybody is using it to, to learn new cool things. So, but at least having the opportunity for all around the world to do that. And that is definitely getting much, much, much more possible with AI, immersive technologies. I mean, you could build like a VR um, teacher kind of thing based on uh, GPT-4, for example, where 
anybody can learn anything on a very, very high quality level. And um, with that knowledge, then that person, what back 10 years ago needed a huge amount of capital um, can now be done by a 12 year old with an internet connection. And I think this is really inspiring that anybody anywhere can do kind of anything with, um, with just being being um, a one-person team kind of with the enhancement of XR and AI. I think this is something really promising also to see. Yes, and that's a great um, ending for us. But before you go, can you please let our listeners know how they can get involved and be in touch with you or follow you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, pretty much every um, platform where I'm at, uh, Dinesh Puni. So I'm mostly on YouTube and LinkedIn uh, with my content. I also have Instagram channels, but I'm not super active there. And my company is called Immersive Insiders. So that is also definitely something if you're interested more in actually becoming a AR, VR designer, developer, shaping our world with immersive technologies, learning these skills, then you can check out that one as well. But again, primarily you'll find everything that I do through Dinesh Puni on all of these platforms. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dinesh. It has been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you all so much for tuning in or watching wherever you are. We will be back in just a couple weeks with new content for you. So stay tuned. Take care.